Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Viva Albertos podcast. My name is John Fleming. I'm a writer and editor at Viva Albertos, joined as always by a fellow writer and editor at Viva Albertos. Hopefully people who've been listening for a while know her name by now, but in case you don't or in case it's your first time, it's Heather Simon. Hi everyone. Hello Heather and... We may have a special guest on the podcast, depending on whether or not... Heather got a dog since the last time we recorded an episode, and I can hear the dog panting fairly loudly here, but I don't think it's picking up on the record, but if it is, it's not because one of us is thirsty, it's because her dog is thirsty. He's not thirsty, he's just a mouth breather. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. Very good dog, though, I must say. I I commend you on your dog and its inherent goodness, so... We yeah. appreciate that. It's it's good to get high profile guests lined up for the podcast, like your dog. I try my best. Yeah, one of us contacted Will Leach for last week. One of us contacted her dog for this week. We'll let you guys uh, guess who was who. To be fair, I supported the decision to contact Will Leach without my. Not that you're giving away who yeah. did the. Uh... Without my support, might not have ever happened. Yeah. It's like, should I contact Will Leach and see? Like, yes, do it. And then he did it, and. Look. Well, anyway, if you want to listen to that episode, um, it's it's still there. But for now, we're going to talk about the Cardinals with uh, myself, with Heather, possibly with uh, Kane, as he is known in the, the dog community and, I guess, the human community, too. Just the community. Yeah, but uh, let's talk about the Cardinals. Well, April just concluded. Uh, we're recording this episode between the um, Monday and Tuesday games of the Milwaukee Brewers series. Cardinals currently have a losing record, but just looking at the standings, like the Cardinals are within like they're within striking distance of the Cubs for first place in the uh, NL Central. Actually it's tied, I believe, the currently, Brewers right? And yeah. The Cubs, right? Yeah, the Brewers and the Cubs are currently tied in terms of record. The Brewers are fourteen and thirteen, the Cubs are thirteen and twelve. Um, the Cardinals and the Reds are tied, um, for third, I guess, technically they're one game back and then the Pirates are in last, they're only two games back. So at this point, everybody's very much bunched together and as frustrating as April was, I mean, here we are, right? (laughs) All right. So, um, I have a very quick trivia question for you. Gosh. Hey, I said it's very quick. So, um, so at this point, as I mentioned, Cardinal season's about a sixth over, I have the uh, Cardinals team baseball reference page pulled up. Who are the top 10 players on the Cardinals in baseball reference wins above replacement? Jed Jerko. Jed Jerko is number two. Carlos Martinez. He is not in the top 10. Really? He has a very high ERA. I'm not sure why you guessed him. Oh, because this is baseball reference. Yeah. I I mean, very high, obviously. He's relative, but he's not in the top 10. I almost exclusively look at fan graphs. No offense to baseball reference, but their site is unreadable to me, so I don't ever look at it. Um, okay, let's let's try this again. Okay, so Jed Jerko, um, Yadier Molina? Yadier Molina is, yes, he's number seven. Um, Mike Leak? Mike Leak's number one. Um, I think we all expected Mike Leak to be number one on the team in... War going into the season and Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright. Uh, Adam Wainwright is actually number eleven. Oh, is this just was that just his pitching war? Or is that his total war that they're accounting for? Um, it's his total. Okay, let's see if I can think of any more. Um, Dexter Fowler. Dexter Fowler is not in the top ten. 
Well, heck, I don't know. This is ridiculous. Matt Carpenter? Matt Carpenter's number six. Because there's only 25 people on the roster. And yet... Randall Grichik. Uh, Grichik is not in the top 10 or 12 for that matter. Is this everyone negative? Is this just what the thing is? I guess this must be all pitchers. Like Rosenthal? Rosenthal is number 10. Um, Matt Bowman. Matt Bowman's number 9. No, he's actually number 8, sorry. Um, I don't even know who I've listed anymore. All right, I'll just give you the rest of the list. So what, I, I guess the point here is that the car... It's a weird is, arrangement. Down is up and up and is down and cats and dogs are living together, except not here because I only have a dog. It's a weird arrangement. You'll get the cat eventually, I'm sure. You only have, mm, no. <laughs> you, you only have the dog for like three days. But Okay, so Leek's number one, Jericho's number two, Lance Lynn is number three. I forgot he was even a player. Well, that's a shame because he's <laughs> wonderful. Michael Waka is number four. Greg Garcia is five, uh, Matt Carpenter like says six, Molina seven, Bowman's eight. Uh, number nine is Jose Martinez. Oh, right. Because, of course, uh, ten is Rosenthal, eleven is Wainwright. And the number twelve is uh, Sam Tuivalala, who was um, just called up today. So That was zero? No, I mean, he played, he pitched a little bit earlier in the season. But, yeah, he's, um, yeah. That's the way the season's currently. So Carlos Martinez has really fallen that far because he was at like point five fan graphs for to start because of his first start. He would have to have fallen really far. Well, he he had a few rough starts in there, and as we mentioned last time extensively, everyone blamed the hair, which was silly. But the hair is gone now, and so Carlos Martinez will start tonight in a game that's not yet happened. But with our luck, he'll just get rocked. But anyway, though. I'm excited to see the hair because I can't quite find a picture of it anywhere. Yeah, like, like we mentioned um, during previous episodes, the hair, it's not like he was struggling because he had the hair. It, it, the hair looked bad, to be clear, but it was not like one thing was causing the other. But if he feels like it's going to make him better, then that is, that's what matters. Like the, you had mentioned before we started recording, the analogy of the... Olympic swimmers with the uh, the cupping, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called, right? I, I don't follow the Olympics very closely, so I'll defer to your... Uh... <laughs> I think it's called cupping, where they have those suction cup circles on their Yeah, like, I, I remember body. it kind of, but I just don't remember much scientific explanation for how it like made there sense. Isn't, there isn't much, I don't think. <laughs> gotcha. That was a big debate. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so stupid. And my whole thing about it is, what does it really matter if it's stupid? If it works or not, as long as... As long as they think it works and no one, I mean, if someone's taking advantage of them, that's not great. But if they think it works and they feel like it works and they win, then, you know. Yeah, like if, a, if a person believes that a superstition matters, then a superstition matters. Like, it doesn't matter if it's literally having an effect. That's the analogy I use, and your analogy is way better, to be clear. But oh, the, the analogy I used was that it's. Like, have you ever heard the principle that if you have a tough choice to make between two options, you should flip a coin to determine because the way you react to the results will unveil your true feelings on it? I've heard that, but it's your whatever you're rooting for when the coin is in the air, and then you know what you what you want. Yeah, but regardless, like, like when the process is done, if you're happy with the result, that's a sign that that's what you should have picked all along. And uh, speaking, though, of coin tosses... That was that was a great transition. I hadn't I actually did not plan this transition out and it just came to me and I'm not sure how I didn't think of it before, but we're going to do a little draft, which 
is a segment some people like and some people really don't like, but we're going to try it anyway. So before the season started, we both picked the Washington Nationals to win the NL East. We both picked the Los Angeles Dodgers to pick the NL West. We were divided on the NL Central. You picked the Cardinals. I picked the Cubs. But we're going to draft the teams that we consider, if the Cardinals end up in the wild card race rather than the Central, if the Cubs end up like pulling away or whatever, or whoever pulls away, <laughs> what teams we consider to be the biggest threats outside of the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. Okay. Okay, we're going to each draft four teams. We'll go ahead and uh, do a coin toss here. Heather, I'll let you call it. I'll catch it in the air. Uh, heads. It is it is heads. So, um, Heather, you um, may draft first, or you can defer if you'd like, though I'm not sure the logic of doing so. I'll go first. All right. The logic in doing that would be that I'm not prepared and therefore would want more time to Oh, I'm not, pre- I'm not prepared either. I'm pulling up the NL uh, standings yeah, as we standings. speak. So, <clears throat> it looks like the Rockies and Diamondbacks are kind of the surprise of the National League. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really look like anyone else could be any better. The National League is just not very, like you said earlier, it's just not very good. Yeah. Well, the, the team that's in last place in the National League at this moment has a 10-17 and 17 record, which obviously is not good, but it's also not like they're impossibly far back. The team with the best record in the National League has a, I think, eight-game lead on them. So, you know, so, a, lot, a lot can happen. There's a lot of season left. Nobody's eliminated yet. I'm going to draft... The Brewers. That's a good... That That's actually who I was going to draft. I, I did not think you were going to go that route, but it's a good pick. I think the Brewers... First of all, I find them objectively fun to watch as a team. Uh, but besides that, they have a lot of power and they have a lot of good young players. I They have Eric Thames, who's the greatest hitter in the history of baseball. If yes. the first month of the season is any indication. They have Eric Thames, who's pretty... Freaking good. And who whiny fans claim is on steroids. Slash whiny Cubs players. As in Cubs players, yes. Yeah. Um, So that's why I'm going to pick them. They're also in the Cardinals division, so they have a chance to hurt the Cardinals by playing them 19 times or however many times. So that's why I picked them first. Yeah, the, the Brewers, I ended up picking them, like before the season I picked them to finish fourth in the Central, but they always had that upside that... Like, I don't know that some of the other teams in the Central necessarily had that upside, but of course the Brewers have those young players, so things can backfire. But they've looked really good so far. Their record doesn't reflect them being a juggernaut quite yet, but like they have pieces that they're they're scary. That is a good pick. Um, I am going to go for my first pick. I feel like this is so weird because we're going with teams that were not like our wild card picks to begin with, but... From what I've seen from the Diamondbacks so far this year, I'm I'm a little scared of them. I have, I very strongly considered picking them to finish in second in the NL West this year just because they had so many players last year who took steps back that I figured some of them are going to be better this year. And the loss of Shelby Miller is probably going to end up hurting them because he's going to end up missing the rest of the season with Tommy John surgery. But, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have Zach Greinke who will, you know, come back and certainly be better than he was last year. They have AJ Pollock back. The, their record at this point is uh, sixteen and eleven. They would have, I believe, a wild card spot at the moment if 
the season and yeah they would they would be the first wild card if the season ended right now and yeah that's um that's my pick it seems so crazy that Milwaukee and Arizona were <laughs> the first two the rematch of the uh, 2011 NLDS oh right yeah, there you go. The crazy series that Nigel Morgan had the walk-off hit in the do-or-die game. I barely remember that. I mostly was just paying attention to the Cardinals and school. I was, I was at work when it happened. It was the game. The game was played before the game five with Chris Carpenter. That was obviously in St. Louis, the more famous game. But I was tracking the game on my phone, which I probably shouldn't have been. I probably should have been like, you know, doing my work. But <laughs> whatever. It happened. Fair enough, fair it, enough. It happened. I'm no longer at that job. They didn't fire me, so <laughs> they can't get mad at me. And if, if anybody from my previous job is listening to this podcast, I'm not sorry. I don't care. <laughs> I'll do it again. I should have tracked it more closely. Okay. <laughs> All right, your turn. So this is going to probably be a surprise one, uh, but I'm going to go with the Mets. Okay. The Mets have a lot of injuries right now. I think that they have the possibility... They look like a disaster right now. I think they have the possibility of getting healthy and sort of turning it around. There's too much talent on that team for it to not, almost. Like, not too much talent for it to not, but it has the most... That team seems to have the most talent of all the remaining teams. Yeah, they have a lot of young players who are hurt, but the thing about having a lot of young players who are hurt is if you have a bunch of young players backing them up, then you're going to be able to overcome that. Obviously, the Cindergaard injury is going to put them back a little bit, but their rotation depth is not... Like, it's not what it was a couple years ago when they had, like, Bartolo Colon, who... I mean, he's a little bit overrated because people just like watching him. <laughs> but as a... As, yeah. But, like, him as a fifth starter was a really good fifth starter to have, and they don't... They're not at that position anymore. But, yeah, um, solid pick. Also, they're the Mets, so they're in New York, so they always have that possibility of making a deadline acquisition if they need one. True. Ideally, true. they'll get somebody better than Jay Bruce this time around, but <laughs> they could get somebody if they wanted one. But yeah, the Mets and the Cardinals were considered two of the three, I think, biggest wildcard threats going into the season. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the other one, the San Francisco Giants. I know they have the worst record in the National League. I will be very clear about that. But They're still the Giants. Yeah, like all of the pieces that were there and made me think they were a wild card threat to begin with. And... I didn't pick them to win the wild card. I thought they were going to be the team left out, but the other two were both out, so I can't <laughs> pick them. But, like, all the pieces are still there, though. It's not like they had, like, you know, a catastrophic injury. It's not It's not like, um, you know, Buster Posey's out for the year. It's not like they're... I mean, they have the Madison Bumgarner injury, and that certainly sets them back. But they have enough pieces that I figure some of them are going to hit in the rotation. To be very clear, the NL is terrible. The National League is a horrible, no-good league, except for the top, like, two or three teams. So at this point, we're kind of scraping, but there's not another team on the list that I want to pick more. So, Mm -hmm. that's my pick, is the Giants. Do I have to go again? Yeah. Oh, gosh. We alternate picks. I know, but I mean, we're picking three. Yeah, Yeah, towards the end of the draft, we're going to really start hating our picks. How many of these are we doing? Uh, Four each. Four? Okay, so... We're going to be really, really reaching towards the end. The next one I'm going to pick, then, uh, is the Pirates. Okay, sensible pick. I sort of thought the Cardinals would be fighting with them throughout the series at the beginning of the season. And just, like, despite the 
Starling. I almost called him Sterling. Starling Marte. Starling Marte. Marte. I always do that because there's Sterling. 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 Castro. Starling Castro? Starling Castro of the New York Yankees affecting her Pirates pick affected by Starling Marte. Who's Sterling? Sterling. There was Sterling Sharp was a receiver in the 90s. Nah, that's not, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Sterling. Anyway. Sterling Sharp played before I was paying attention to sports. Yeah, There's was, no way you remember he was a comment, him. He's a commentator. He's but, Shannon's brother. Yeah, he's probably more famous Shannon. for that at this point. But Anyway. Whatever his name is. Starling Marte. This is the dumbest conversation we've ever had on this <laughs> podcast. Starling Marte. We had like a 10 minute conversation about Carlos Martinez's hair. To be fair. Starling Marte, though, despite his 80-game suspension for PEDs, the uh, Pirates still have a lot of their main pieces. They still have Gregory Polanco. They still have McCutcheon. They have David Fries who's having a good year. Oh, they don't have Gong because of his issues. His uh, domestic violence. It's not because of his domestic violence. Oh, it was was the DUIs or... And it wasn't wasn't domestic violence. That was uh, a rape accusation. But it's not because of that. It's because of a DUI. Which of the many bad things that uh, Jung Ho Gong has done was it that hurt him this time? Yes, it's the the, uh, uh, DUI or whatever it was. Either way, the Pirates are about the same as I thought they were would be going into the season, so I'm just not going to backtrack on it now. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like they've been struggling, yet they're only two games back of the division, only one game back of the Cardinals as we have this conversation. All right, next team I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the Colorado Rockies because they're in first place in their division, and at this point forget it's hard not to go with them. It's easy to forget about them, but the Rockies are currently 16-10. and 10. They did this 16-10 and 10 stretch without Ian Desmond, which... I question the Ian Desmond signing greatly because it just doesn't make sense to me to get a guy who's like a shortstop outfielder and put him at first base. But and while they should <laughs> while they should have just gone ahead and signed Encarnacion or even gone for like Jose Batista and moved him to first base, something like that. It's still you know sixteen and ten is hard to argue with, and you know that record does count if. If you were to believe that the Rockies are truly a 500 team, which I don't, again, we're really just kind of picking teams because we have to, then being six games over 500 would mean that they would be 84 and 78, which you know wouldn't quite be good enough for a wild card, but you'd be in the hunt and you have a few breaks go your way and it's a good advantage to have. Sure. So now here's where we make the picks there. At this point, we're picking teams that we definitely think are in the bottom half of the league, but these were the stupid parameters I set up, so... I didn't realize it was four. Yeah. Um, let's... I'm going to pick the entire NL Central. Let's go with the Reds. Okay. The Reds are young. They're fun. They have... They've already faced Eric Thames about as much as they're going to have to this season. Yes, so, so they no longer have that burden. They have the Eric Thames stuff out of the way for the most part. That's all I got. Yeah, Eric Thames is... Like, literally better than peak Barry Bonds against the Reds. It's just absolutely <laughs> unbelievable how... Like, he's been good against everybody, but against the Reds in particular, it was just some silliness. Yeah, the Reds are an interesting team. I think they're sort of a lesser version of the Brewers, but obviously the Brewers were off the board, so... Right, I already took them. Yeah. So, just thought I'd keep the theme consistent. I am going to pick a team that's currently in last place, and everybody in the world that wasn't me picked to finish in last place, which is the Atlanta Braves, just because 
Like they, they have some young guys who are struggling, and I feel like eventually they're going to get better. Like Dansby Swanson's been terrible to start the season. Like Ender Inciarte to go with the other guy who was included in that trade has not been very good to start the season. And I feel like there might be some sort of jitter effect because they opened the stadium. There's a lot of pressure on them because of that. That makes sense. In the end, I do not think the Braves are going to come close to winning a wild card. But again, we've named 12 of the 15 teams since eight of them were drafted and four of them were eliminated. So all apologies to the Phillies, the Marlins, and the Padres. The Phillies are 500. We didn't pick them. Yeah, I picked the Braves who... Just don't believe in the Phillies. Oh, I don't believe in any a lot of these teams, yeah. but not enough to put yeah. my good name on the line. Yeah. But the overall point, though, I think, is that the NL is just not good. They, it's wide open, and as much as the Cardinals have struggled and frustrated us, they're right in the thick of things against like all logic. Like, if you just watch the Cardinals, you see a team that's you know played. A, they're a little under five hundred right now, but they've basically been like a five hundred type of team. They have their good days, they have their bad days. But that's going to be enough to keep them in the hunt. And if you figure if they improve just a little bit, then they're going to They're definitely, roll. of those teams we mentioned, they're the best team, I think, of the ones that we said. Yeah, I think I, like, I went into, into the season saying that the Cardinals would get the second wild card behind the Mets. I think at this point I'd probably pick the Cardinals as the best of these. Mm-hmm. And like I said, whenever you pick them, the Brewers are a team that kind of scares me like a yeah. lot more than I thought they would. Just because they have so many component pieces. And, like, obviously, we've talked about Eric Thames because he's a fascinating player. He's not going to keep this up. Like, obviously, he's not going to literally be the best hitter in the history of baseball. <laughs> like, his stats right now are better than his stats in KBO. That's not going to maintain. Like That would be cool AF if it did, though. Like, it's, like obviously, this is the Eric Thames case is sort of a... A referendum, I guess, on the gap between KBO and MLB. But I'm fairly confident in saying I don't think KBO is tougher than MLB, <laughs> which is what, if Eric Thames keeps this up, would certainly imply. But anyway, good draft. I would personally pick Heather, so I'm not even going to bother putting a poll up. I'm just going to concede it. <laughs> oh, he- Heather won the coin toss and therefore the draft in, yeah. <laughs> my, in my heart. It's because the Brewers. Brewers put me over the edge. I got the one first place team of any of us, and they were um, the, the sixth overall <laughs> pick. So it shows what we think about baseball as a whole right now. But one of the uh, the big stories that came, again, we're recording this. The last game that was played was the Monday night extra inning affair that the Cardinals lost. I believe it was 7-5 to five was the final score, right? You would be correct. Yeah. I recapped that game. Check it out. Yes, you did. Uh so Colton Wong did not have a very good game. Craig Edwards wrote about it on the Albertos today, Tuesday. You should check it out if you have not. Just as a, a nice recap of his not very uh, good he's, game. He's no good, very bad day. Yeah, it should be noted that he did have, like, he got a hit in there. He ended up having a, a game-tying RBI in the eighth. So it's not like he didn't have his moments. Mm-hmm. Okay, this was the analogy I thought of today. So um, have you ever seen the movie Unbreakable? The movie with uh, Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-mm. Do you know what the basic plot of it is? Or? No. Okay, so <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it, so I may be messing up very like major details here. I'll try to do it without spoiling the, the movie, though. 
Basically, Bruce Willis is a guy who survives, I think it's a train accident. It may have been a plane. It was some sort of major, like, disaster where everybody else on board was killed, but he survived, like, without a scratch on him. Okay. And so Samuel L. Jackson plays a guy who, like, was a very sick child and had, I can't remember what exactly it was, maybe it was, like, multiple sclerosis, some sort of, you know, physical deterioration. And he was sort of fascinated by sort of the superhero concept of being, like, the opposite of him. Like, Bruce Willis is this guy who is unbreakable, as the title says, and Samuel L. Jackson is this guy who just breaks very easily. I feel like Colton Wong is basically the Samuel L. Jackson... Colton Wong yesterday is the Samuel L. Jackson to, like, the David Freeze in Game 6 in 2011 to Bruce Willis, where everything goes right for Freeze, except he makes that one error, which people forget because he did so much right. Wong has that one moment in the eighth, but then everything just does not go his way. He slipped, yeah. rounding third. The base to be to be clear, air. to be clear on the base running thing, I tend to think that Chris Maloney was a little bit at fault there for being uh, kind of wishy washy on whether or not he should go. But the fact that he slipped obviously was not right. Not really a feather in Colton Wong's cap. It, and to be fair, it's been raining and the field is kind of wet. And it was yeah. raining a little bit at the game, not really hard, but just to a little where misting. The, yeah, yeah, it was misting, so I'm sure it was slippery on that because he was in the grass on the wide turn trying yeah. to decide if he should go. Then at the last minute, decided not to go and slipped. It happens. I can't. You can fault a guy for slipping, but it's not like a mental mistake. Yeah, where I'm willing. To, I'm willing really to frustrating. I'm willing to give Wong a break on that one. The defensive thing was bad. Like, it, it was bad. Like he, the fact that he just drops the ball that's hit right to him. The fact that he throws it wide. The fact that he threw it wide is what bothered me. I think the most because line drives right to you. Okay, you're not because that was a line drive. That was right at. It, it was a line drive, but it wasn't really like a laser. It wasn't no, the hardest hit but, ball in the world. But you're not expecting it. You're mo- you're moving on the play, covering second, have all these things on your mind. That happens, but he had time to steady himself and make a good throw to first, and he just kind of rushed yeah. it, and that was a mental mistake. Mental mistakes, I'm pointing to my own head, no one else can see it, but here it is. She is, I, I'll verify yeah. that. Mental mistakes are the ones that just burn the most, because they don't need to be made. The physical mistakes, at least someone is doing everything they're capable of, and they just physically are not fast enough, or they're physically not quick enough or they physically don't have enough range or the arm strength. That's one thing. Mental ones, like getting picked off because you're not paying attention or whatever else, those are the ones that really, really annoy me. Yeah, anytime Colton Wong makes a mistake, though, there's always such... Like, he's such a divisive player, and I'm not totally sure. I guess I get why he's divisive, because... He's the kind of player who seems very emotional about things. I mean that in both a good and bad way. He's emotional mm-hmm. in the sense that he obviously cares. Right. Which there's almost this idea that some people seem to have that he's like lackadaisical or that he just isn't paying attention. I don't think that's the case at all. I think, if anything, his head is way too much dwelling on his mistakes. That makes sense. He's, but, his value is also not very obvious to see with just with the naked eye because... He makes a lot of defensive errors, but that's because he he has the gets, range to get to a lot he gets of to them, a yeah. lot of, of balls and makes can make a lot of tough plays. He makes a lot of make seems to make a lot of mistakes in the base paths, but that's because he's asked to do more on the base paths than other players because he's capable of doing more. So it's hard to see his value exactly. 
um, if you're not looking at the numbers and looking at each specific thing. He's not great with the bat either. He's average with his bat, with the bat. But it's that's what I think yeah. makes him kind of divisive is that. And he's been above average in this stretch lately. But I think that overall, and this is probably just going to be a bombshell for some people, I think just consider the possibility that Colton Wong's just kind of an average talent. I'm not saying he is or isn't, but just consider the possibility of it. And then you see a guy who's doing the best he can and just may not have all of the physical talents. Like like whenever uh, Pete Cosmo was the shortstop for the Cardinals in, in 2013, like 2012 he was amazing somehow, but <laughs> just consider 2013. I think there was always this sense among Cardinals fans of, you know, I'm not happy that Pete Cosmo is the shortstop because he's just like a woeful hitter. He has just no capacity of hitting major league pitching to any sort of acceptable degree. But you can't put him out there and expect that he's going to be Mike Trout. You go out there and you you know what he is. He's going to try his best. And for some reason, Colton Wong doesn't get that same credit. It's always this, oh, he could do more. And like anybody who expected him, first of all, I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but like he was a top 100 prospect, but he wasn't like a top 10 prospect. People weren't saying Colton Wong is going to be a Hall of Famer. They were saying... He's going to be basically a regular in Major League Baseball. And even if you take sort of a pessimistic stance on what his career has been to this point, he hasn't been that far off of that. Like, by any measure, it's not like he's been just absolutely horrible. And average players are very... um, They have value. They're valuable commodities because there's not a lot of them, really. There's... What is average? About two wins above replacement? Yeah, it's usually the rule of thumb. So if he's a three to four win player, that's a really good player. Which really. I which I'm not sure if that's really his true talent, but regardless. His, his yeah. career he's been about a three win player, I think, if you look at fan graphs. Yeah, we can pull up the I will pull up the exact calculation. I always like to do it per six hundred or six hundred plate appearances, which I'm not even sure if that was based on anything, but that was always just sort of my approximation. But I feel like Colton Wong has had two really sort of iconic moments in baseball. And like the optimist could look at his home run to walk off uh, game two of the NLCS in 2014 as being his defining moment. And a pessimist could view him getting picked off in the World Series to end the game as his defining moment. And I feel like Wong is the kind of player that ref- that dwells a lot more on the negative thing than on the very positive thing, which I don't think either one's the right thing, but... Like, overall, you look at his career, he's just kind of a guy on the team. And I think that there's this ten- there's this tendency of people to pick apart everything he does, this idea that he's not trying. And I'm against that, but there's also a tendency to sort of, I think, overly defend him. Like, you can say that a guy made a bad play without it being a personal reflection on him. Like, there's a lot of people who have come through, you know, a lot too many for my liking in the last few years on the Cardinals who... I mean, God bless them. They're trying, but they're just not good. And I'm again, I'm not saying Wong is terrible, but I'm saying he's probably not like ever going to be the best player on the team. And that's fine because not everyone can be the best player on the team. There's going to be sort of a hierarchy. So Wong has uh, 1,551 plate appearances and 5.3 war. So... Let's do some math here because this is obviously a very exciting um, bit of whatever you would call this. (laughs) Podcast material. Yeah, this is high quality content right here is me trying to navigate the uh, calculator function on my phone. So 
Per 600 plate appearance, he's at 2.05 war. So about average. That makes sense. And, like, I think that's just kind of what he is. And he's a youngish player, but he's also 26. You'd expect him to grow a little bit, but probably not have this incredible flourish where he becomes, like, Robinson Cano all of a sudden. But that's fine. I'm not going to get too indignant about Colton Wong. Uh, To move on, though, to a completely different subject... Uh, Still on the Cardinals, obviously, but sort of on the more uh, old-school side. The uh, Cardinals Hall of Fame announced their new inductees. Heather looked very puzzled as I was... I was like, what the heck are we talking about now? But got it, got it. But the uh, the Cardinals Hall of Fame had their inductees. Uh, Pepper Martin and Tim McCarver were inducted by the Red Ribbon Committee. I don't have a lot to say about either of them, I guess. I mean... Good for them. Pepper Martin obviously was before my time. As much as Heather tries to make me feel old, I will not be made to feel like I remember the 30s. <laughs> but... I asked him yesterday because they were showing highlights of Slaughter's Mad Dash. It's like, do you remember that? Yeah. That was... That was not cool. <laughs> but the... Uh, but Tim McCarver obviously is known for being an announcer to a lot of younger fans. But he was also... a uh, Good catcher for the Cardinals in the 60s. I don't know if he would have been my choice, but I don't really know who else they were debating, so whatever. But the main one I want to focus on is the fan vote, which was Mark McGuire, who got inducted. I have a... First of all, let me be clear. Ray Langford was not on the ballot, so I'm not going to get into this McGuire versus Langford thing. Yeah. Langford should have been on the ballot. It's absurd that he wasn't. Don't get me started. Yeah. We're very pro-Ray Langford on this, but (laughs) I have... An opinion that I expressed on Twitter the night that the results came out, and the there was a deep divide among people responding either in agreement or disagreement on it, and there, I think there's a big age gap on it too. So I'm curious how you're going to feel about this take. My my opinion that I express, and I stand by this, is that Mark McGuire is the most important Cardinals player of my lifetime. I'm not saying he's the best Cardinals player of my lifetime. That's Albert Pujols. It's not close. But Mark McGuire, in terms of just Raw, what he brought to the Cardinals, just his overall importance, I believe is I believe it surpasses Albert Pujols's, which doesn't mean that Albert Pujols wouldn't necessarily had that impact had McGuire not come around, but McGuire was there first, so he gets sort of credit for that. Seems fair. I don't really remember the Mark McGuire days. I was I was hoping you would disagree angrily with it because there was there was a big age gap on I think people who were like my age or a little bit older were in agreement and people who were younger like there's no statistical argument to back up my stance here because you know as great as McGuire was in those you know couple seasons he was with the Cardinals um one Pools was here a lot longer two Pools was better at his peak like McGuire with while he had the 70 home runs also you know struck out a ton also didn't really have very much defensive value he played first base he was on Cardinals teams that didn't make the playoffs the one Cardinals playoffs that he made it was a season where he was hurt most of the time and Albert Pujols was you know a top five MVP vote getter I think part of the problem is that Pujols is still playing and it's with another team and that's not really going to affect his legacy it shouldn't affect his legacy with the Cardinals that much but honestly it does to me because he's going to spend just as much time with another team as he did with the Cardinals well by that token McGuire spent most of his career with the Oakland A's though so it's not milestones were accomplished with the Cardinals. Pujols is going to accomplish all these milestones with another team. and Yeah, but I think people are still going to associate Pujols mostly with the Cardinals. Obviously, they'll remember the Angels, but... I'm just telling you that that's personally why I can't disagree with you. And that... 
I feel like we're switching sides here. Like, all yeah. of a sudden, I'm jumping on... I'm like, okay, well, just calm down, John. I'm telling yeah. you why I'm agreeing with you. Like, geez. Okay. Okay. Well, alrighty then. <laughs> I'm just saying that Mark McGuire is Neil Armstrong and Albert Pujols is... Um, Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin or Michael Collins. Michael Collins was on the moon, right? That's one of them. I don't know. I don't care. I don't I, make I, me bring my dog into this. That's all I'm saying. I don't know astronauts at all. But <laughs> regardless, there's... Like, obviously, the guys who stepped on the moon after Neil Armstrong would have just as easily done it had Armstrong not done it first. But he did it first, so he's the one everybody knows the name of. He's the one that we're certain of, whereas I keep trying to remember if Michael Collins is the guy's right name. Cause Sounds like a singer? Phil Collins, maybe? maybe I don't know. Yeah, the famous singing part, yeah. We're, we're going to get sued. Phil Collins is going to... Um, Friend of the podcast, Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil, if you ever went on the podcast, <laughs> we can uh, discuss what it was like um, emerging from the drum kit and all that. I don't freaking care. Um, <laughs> hey, I know some of your songs, Phil. We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> I just know the one. The number one song in the country when I was born was a Phil Collins song. He's near and dear to my heart because of that. Aww. But regardless, though, I, I stand by my McGuire stance and... I don't know, because if you were not around for Mark McGuire, if you don't remember it, as Heather, you've mentioned, not really having memory of it, which is understandable because I was not paying attention to baseball long whenever he came around. So that may also create some sort of bias for me because he was like the first new thing. Like the Cardinals went from just kind of being a thing that was in the background to being the biggest story that there was. Like McGuire was bigger. I swear he was bigger than the World Series titles. He was bigger than the Rams winning the Super Bowl. He was bigger, if the Blues continue their playoff run, than a Blues Stanley Cup win would be. Oh, please. No, he absolutely... There's no way. A Blues Stanley Cup? Yeah. Absolutely. There's only one way to find out. I just don't believe that. But anyway, continue. Well... That's hyperbole. Well, hopefully in a few weeks, speaking as a Blues fan, we'll be able to actually compare the two. But until that happens... I think that the impact of Maguire was so big in terms of bringing people back and in terms of baseball just being a national conversation. Because, like, 1998 is one of the great sports years that there's ever been. Like, you had the Yankees winning 114 games and winning the World Series. You had Michael Jordan winning his sixth title in the NBA. You had um, some football team. Oh, Elway won his first Super Bowl (laughs) that year. Like, I knew there was some sort of football football story that was big. Just everything across was huge and important and significant, and yet the big story that everyone talked about, and granted I was in St. Louis, I'm going to be biased on this, was Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And it's weird, though, because like, the Cardinals don't fully embrace McGuire. Like, obviously he was the hitting coach, and obviously the fans voted for him, but it's not like his number's retired or anything like that, which I don't think it should be, but regardless, it's not. But, like, the Cubs do not like acknowledge Sammy Sosa he's like something they don't talk about because obviously the steroid connection and there's always going to be a class of people that don't want McGuire recognized because they feel like they were duped but the significance that he had with the Cardinals is like I don't care what he did to get there because that significance happened whether he cheated to get there or not makes sense like I'm like I tend to be sort of radically okay with people who were doing steroids, especially during the time that it was legal. 
So, like, I'm totally that guy that'll, like, stoop to the analogy of, oh, are we going to, like, dismiss Jimi Hendrix because he was on drugs? Are we going to dismiss all these, like, you know, are we going to dismiss Hemingway because he was an alcoholic? No, we're going to acknowledge that Mark McGuire is indeed the Jimi Hendrix slash Ernest Hemingway of (laughs) baseball. And that Albert Pujols is a better player, but McGuire came first. So, good for him. Yeah, I think that was basically what we were going to talk about here. We're, um, there's a lot of season left. It's really not a lot else to say to that. Um, Heather, do you have anything <laughs> you want to uh, promote or acknowledge? Uh, sure. You can follow me on Twitter at LIL underscore Scooter 93. And you can read my writing at Viva Alberto's Monday through Friday, uh, 12 noon. I think I will do that, actually, now mm-hmm. that you mention it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JohnJF125 and follow Viva Albertos on Twitter at Viva Albertos. You can go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Viva Albertos. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and um, other places that I always forget which ones are which, but they're there. Just search. Just go to Google, type in Viva Albertos podcast, and you'll find out a way to listen to it. <laughs> I say to people who are already listening to the podcast. But regardless, you can check it out. Um, Yeah, sounds sounds like fun. Um, To the Cardinals game starting right now. Congratulations to uh, Kane on making his Viva Alberto's debut. He is a very good dog, I must acknowledge. (laughs) I I think I'll go ahead and give him a treat. He earned it. Bye.